Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You are listening to As a Woman, Episode 6, Plant-Based Nutrition for Women, Your Heart. Today, we have a very special guest, Dr. Danielle Bellardo, who is a cardiologist with a high interest in plant-based eating. We are going to be talking about the ins and outs of a plant-based diet. We are going to be talking about heart disease in women and how you can modify your risk based on what you eat. And we are going to be teaching you about how a whole food plant-based diet can be incorporated into your life easily. Welcome to As a Woman, the podcast hosted by fertility physician, Dr. Natalie Crawford, to educate and empower women. Each week, learn about your health, your fertility, and how they relate to your true self. Become a part of the community, fostering collaboration over competition while learning how to authentically find your voice and amplify others as a woman. Hi, friends. You are listening to As a Woman, Episode 6 plant-based nutrition for women. I am so excited. This episode is my first guest episode. And if you haven't noticed, As a Woman, the podcast is mostly a solo show. This is usually just me rambling my thoughts and my feelings and my heart out to you. But occasionally I am going to bring in guests. And that's because I'm not the expert at everything, obviously. And I think it's really important that some of the stuff we talk about, you hear from somebody else who is more of an expert in that subject matter. February is Heart Disease Awareness Month, and I'm really wanting to bring light to the fact that so many women suffer from heart disease. I'm a huge believer in plant-based eating. If you follow me on Instagram, you know this about me. You know that we eat plant-based in this house and we're raising some plant-based children. And I think that what you eat really makes a difference for your body. And I believe that compassionately eating, eating food that is good for you, food that is fuel for your body, is really the best form of self-love that you can have. What you put into your body is its fuel. And I really believe that food is also the best medicine that we have. Eating a certain way can help prevent certain disease types from forming and can reverse certain diseases that have already developed. And so let's dive into that more today. Our special guest today is Dr. Danielle Bellardo. Danielle is originally from New York, and she relocated to Philadelphia after college to start medical school. She got her MD from Drexel University and then completed three years of internal medicine residency at Temple University. She is board certified in internal medicine and currently completing her cardiology fellowship. She is committed to being a cardiologist that utilizes traditional medicine in addition to focusing on lifestyle modification and plant-based diet. She's also one of PETA's top vegan doctors to follow, and she is all over the internet on Instagram and her own blog at theveggiemd.com. I'm so excited to have you on, Danielle. Thank you. Thank you, Natalie. You know I love you and I love everything you do, so I'm so honored to be on as a woman. I love your podcast. 
Thank you. You know, this is mostly a solo show, but I am so honored to have you. You're the very first guest I've ever had. And that's because, yeah, one, you're amazing, but two, plant-based eating. I mean, I'm a huge fan. Obviously, I eat plant-based. I really believe that it is eating compassionately for your body. And I know that it is the best thing we can do for our health, especially our heart health. And so February is heart month, right? And by the American Heart Association. And so I just want to dive right in because I have a feeling that most of my listeners may not be aware that heart disease is the leading cause of death for American women. It's the leading cause of death. And I know as a cardiologist, this must just hurt your heart. So do you think women understand this? You know, so I don't, I don't think women understand that how devastating heart disease is. Heart disease is the number one killer of men and women, and it kills more women than all cancers and respiratory disease combined. So that's breast cancer, that's lung disease, everything combined. Heart disease kills more women. Stroke, it's just so debilitating and such a preventable illness in many cases, which is why I love cardiovascular disease as a training and as a specialty for me, because I think that there's so much we can do to prevent heart disease that I think that it's very empowering. And I think that it's really important for women, you know, there's no age too young to start thinking about preventing heart disease. So I think that's a great point. Let's Tell me about though, when, you know, if I'm a young woman, I'm listening to this, like, when is my doctor going to screen me? What does routine care look like for my heart? What should I be getting evaluated in my annual visit? What's normal? So everyone should be getting, you know, have a good relationship with your primary care provider and start seeing a primary care provider in your 20s as soon as you graduate from your pediatrician. So some pediatricians, depending on your family history, will be checking lipids on patients that are high risk and or all patients. Um, I can't speak to pediatrics, but for young adults who have not been screened as children, um, we suggest obtaining a lipid profile at the time of initiation of care with an adult primary care practitioner. This is a grade 2C recommendation. So as soon as you start establishing with an adult primary care provider, you should get a lipid profile done. You should get your blood pressure checked. Um, With regards to repeat testing for lipid disorders in adults, so for patients at a higher cardiovascular risk, so it makes you high cardiovascular risk, it's hypertension, diabetes, smoking, family history of premature coronary heart disease. For these patients, we suggest follow-up lipid screening be performed in males between the ages of 25 and 30 and females between the ages of 30 and 35. And this is also a great 2C recommendation. So for patients of a lower cardiovascular risk, so they don't have hypertension, they don't have diabetes, they are non-smokers and no family history, For these patients, we suggest that at least follow-up lipid screening should be performed in males at the age of 35 and females at the age of 45. But the reason why this is important to note is that this is follow-up screening, meaning that when you establish care with a provider, you should be screened. So, you know, I know my parents, right, and their risk, but if I'm not in medicine, tell me about like what, what's premature heart disease? Like what type of family history can my mom or dad tell me about what could happen that would make me a higher risk patient? Right. So, you know, any patient that's establishing care with a primary care provider, they're going, and even as a cardiovascular disease specialist, we always ask family history. Family history is incredibly important. It's not everything. Um, and I like to emphasize this because I think a really great phrase from Caldwell Esselstyn is that 
um, you know, genetics load the gun, but we actually pull the trigger with our lifestyle choices. So genetics are important. So it's important to establish the primary care provider who's going to say to you, what is your family history? So important to report, do you have a family history of hypertension, of high blood pressure? Do you have a family history of diabetes, type 1 or type 2 diabetes? Do you have a family history of early sudden cardiac death or a parent that's had a heart attack very early in life? If someone says to me, oh, my, my family member, my dad died of a heart attack at 48 years old, that's very young. We're immediately thinking that there is some genetic component to that in addition to lifestyle. You know, any family history of, even though we don't have a ton of data on family history with arrhythmia, we with regards to atrial fibrillation or things like that, I always do ask, do you have a family history of arrhythmia, especially if anyone's ever had a family history of dangerous arrhythmias, like any family history of um, things like long QT syndrome or things like that. That's a whole nother topic in electrophysiology. But we do like to ask if you've had any heart disease in your family. Um, and it's, it's incredibly important. And mostly we're looking for your parents and your siblings. Um, and Although it's not completely predictive of what's going to happen to you, it's important to be in the scope of our practice to know what we're working with, with our patients, with regards to lifestyle modification at a younger age and what to look out for. So you know that I feel really strongly on this, but a lot, you said, so you said, hey, your first visit with like an adult primary care provider after your pediatrician. You know, this is sometimes for young women, a really big gray zone because you're like in college and then you're going to maybe professional or grad school or you're moving around. You don't have an established really good primary care. And so who do you see for your primary care? Often just your OBGYN. Yep. And so uh, what do you want to make sure, like, I think it's so important that young women know to one, ask their parents about their family history. And two, especially if they're seeing different OBGYNs, if you see somebody in college and then mm -hmm. you're in grad school, they don't always get the record. They don't know where you are, right? If your right. first screening was normal, is it not? And so patients, you know, young women need to be advocates for themselves when it comes to their health, don't you think? I couldn't agree more. And I will say that um, I've definitely been guilty of that when I was in medical school, probably through residency training, my OBGYN was the only physician I saw. And then I was like, oh, okay, I need a primary care provider. So I finally got an internist. It's my primary care provider. And I'm just trying to be responsible. And I think that medical providers in general, we can be the worst patients. So, you know, I was just going to my OBGYN because I don't have any other comorbidities. I have no, you know, medical conditions. So I just go to my OBGYN for my routine you know, gynecological checkups and that's it. But regardless, it is important to establish care with a primary care provider at a younger age once you graduate from pediatrics. And the reason why I think this is important is because we spend so much time on so much other crap in life. You know, think about all the time you spend on social media, on Instagram, on Twitter, on whatever it is, watching, binge watching Netflix. Those things are actually all incredibly valuable and important. I love those things too. But just take the half hour out of your time to make an appointment with a primary care provider and just see the doctor. Because if you are not being evaluated and screened, then you have no idea what's going on. So what if you do have hypertension? Our hypertension guidelines have recently changed. We're now being more aggressive with blood pressure. We want your systolic blood pressure 120 or less, you know? So catching pre-hypertensive or hypertensive patients at a young age is incredibly important to improve their trajectory of their health later on. 
I just love, you know, how you phrase that, that if we um, are not taking the time out of our own life to go see, you know, somebody who can really take care of us, we're not getting that piece of information. We're not getting educated on what we need to know. And the truth is, you know, I'm a subspecialist, you're a subspecialist, there's primary care providers, we all work together in medicine. But I think it's so important that you can't make the decisions that are right for you if you don't have all the information. And so I, you know, kind of want to tell everybody who's listening here, even though I've trained in OBGYN, I think OBGYNs are amazing primary care providers for women, that you should seek out your own internist also, if you're really trying to take the best care of you, because we're all trained differently for a reason. You can't be an expert at everything. You can't be. And, and you know, it's, it's crazy because you, I too, when I was in my twenties, I just went to my OBGYN for, for, you know, my, it was the only physician I saw because yeah, I don't have I any too. medical, I don't have any medical conditions, but technically guidelines based, you should be having a lipid panel in your twenties. You should be establishing whether you have these risk factors for cardiovascular diseases, number one killer in your twenties. So, you know, knowing that I've had a lipid panel done obviously at this point and I am whole food plant-based. So my cholesterol is great, but you know, there are patients that are in their twenties that, you know, you could catch hyperlipidemia or hypertension or their hemoglobin A1C starting to rise and they're pre-diabetic, you could catch these uh, developing illnesses before they become full-blown illnesses. And um, we discussed on my podcast, for any of your listeners that are going to do crossover and listen to my episode as well, we discussed the importance of catching disease at a younger age. And if you are you know, in your 20s or early 30s and you're healthy, it's still important to establish care with a provider who can risk stratify you for disease now and and later on in life. And that includes getting, you know, your blood pressure checked, getting your lipids checked, you know, getting a baseline hemoglobin A1C and, and things like that, just to establish care and have a good relationship with a provider that can help keep you healthy, you know, lifelong. Yeah, I just agree completely. I think that, you know, as you're touching on this, understanding your family history, obviously when it comes to cardiovascular disease, some of our risks are genetic, but talk to me and talk to the women listening about, you know, preventing cardiac disease and lifestyle modification. What can women do to avoid being a statistic? That's a great question. Thank you so much for asking. So the reason why I chose to subspecialize in cardiovascular disease is because, there is so much that is preventable and reversible with lifestyle modification. So I actually found it one of the most happy and fulfilling jobs I could have imagined. Um, the reason being is that sometimes, you know, when you're in medical school and you're rotating through certain surgical subspecialties or oncology, sometimes it can be heartbreaking because patient could have done everything right their whole life and they are just handed this terrible deck of cards. And you know, it, it was just tough for me to swallow. I looked at cardiovascular diseases. Oh my goodness. This is a specialty where I am treating essentially the majority of the patients we're treating in cardiology are a product of foodborne illness, literally foodborne illness. When I walk around the cardiac ICU, there is a significant number of patients that are there because the, the pathophysiology of their disease process comes from 
what they're eating and their lifestyle choices, whether they're smoking or they're eating a high saturated fat, high processed fat, you know, a standard American diet. So I, I find it to be a really important um, area, which is prevention. And that's why I, I love cardiology. So I think prevention takes many different um, roads and some people focus on heart month on the screening process. And I think screening is important. Um, I focus on nutrition. And the reason why I focus on nutrition is, as I've mentioned, so much of cardiovascular disease is preventable with nutrition. So the way the standard American diet works, we're eating diets that are high in animal products and animal products are high in saturated fat. Um, dairy is very high in saturated fat, including, you know, um, meat, chicken, etc. Additionally, we have a lot of standard American diets filled with a lot of processed foods, fried foods. All of these foods end up when we eat a standard American diet. And, you know, you can't out-exercise a bad diet. I always say that. I love that. You cannot out-exercise a bad diet. Sorry. No, no, that's okay. I I just, it's, I truly uh, try to remind my patients that I'm not trying to get everyone to be a marathon runner. Okay. Although I have plenty of patients that went from sitting on a couch, not being able to walk, changing their diet and nutrition first, and now they are running half marathons and marathons. So, you know, one does definitely join the other, but I find nutrition to be the priority with regards to prevention. Start with nutrition. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Quince. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. And luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. The best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands, but Quince partners directly with top factories, cutting out the cost of the middleman, passing the saving to us, and only working with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices. I personally cannot wait to wear my cute tan linen set this summer. So it's your turn to get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash A-A-W for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash A-A-W to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash A-A-W. Thank you, Quince. And now a word for one of our sponsors, Ritual. Did you know that women were excluded from clinical research policy by federal law until 1993? But women belong in scientific research. They're essential and Ritual knows this. I choose Ritual Multivitamin every day because it is easy to take and I know that I am getting high quality and traceable ingredients in a clean and bioavailable forms. In fact, Ritual conducted a university-led human clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin to assess its efficacy, and the results showed increase in vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. No my shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin that you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash A-A-W. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash A-A-W for 25% off. Thank you, Ritual. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Apostrophe. With the temperatures starting to warm up, I'm so excited the summer is around the corner and getting ready and looking forward to the summer months. 
But I know that when I'm outside enjoying nature, I need to pick up supplies to prepare myself for summer adventures. And if you want to get your skin glowing in time for summer, it's time for you to get started with Apostrophe, who is sponsoring this episode. Apostrophe's goal is to help you feel confident in your own skin. So whether you're dealing with breakouts, signs of aging, or acne scarring, Apostrophe will help you love the skin you're in. I personally love that you get access to an expert dermatology team, a tailored treatment plan. It's simple to sign up for your first visit, and there is no in-person appointment or trip to the pharmacy needed. We have a special deal for our audience. Get your first visit for only $5 at apostrophe.com slash A-A-W when you use our code A-A-W. That's a savings of $15. This code is only available to our listeners. To get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash A-A-W and click get started. Then use the code A-A-W at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. So I, I always recommend to patients, we have so much literature and so much data at this point that the less animal products you eat, the lower your all-cause mortality is, the longer you're going to live and the healthier you're going to live. And we have randomized controlled trials done by Dean Ornish. And we have just so much research that has shown us the only diet that's ever been shown to actually decrease cardiovascular disease and and plaque has been, Dean Ornish showed that in a randomized controlled trial with plant-based nutrition. But I'm not saying that everyone needs to go 100% plant-based. What I'm saying is just start to decrease the amount of processed foods, and that includes, you know, non-plant-based, not, uh, sorry, not animal product foods. So just Oreos, they're vegan, but they're still bad for you. Right. (laughs) Decreasing the amount of processed foods you eat and decreasing the amount of animal products you're eating, increasing the amount of fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes, nuts, seeds. These are very important. And I also try to emphasize, you know, there was a great study that, um, you know, I, I really refer to a lot because I think it's an important fact too, for people that are already vegan, there's a great study that was published in Jack, the journal of American college of cardiology in 2017. It was called healthful versus unhealthful plant-based diet by Satija from Harvard. And it was a great study that really goes into how eating an unhealthy plant-based diet, meaning a vegan diet that's filled with Oreos and chips is actually just as bad for you as eating an unhealthy, just a animal based diet. So the most healthful diet we found through so much research, I mean, through PREDIMED, through the Aventus trials, we have just so much data and evidence to show us that the most healthful diet we have is a, a diet that focuses on unprocessed whole plant-based foods. So eating as much as you can, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes, nuts, and seeds. That being said, if you eat uh, animal products once a month or once a year, you know, I choose not to do that. I've been plant-based my entire adult life, but listen, that is your choice and it's better than eating it daily. So I think that any move you can make on the spectrum or the gradient of eating more plant-based will help to decrease your risk factors for cardiovascular disease. The risk factors for cardiovascular disease are, uh, there's just a multitude of them that we know is affected by nutrition. And that includes hypertension, obviously, that, you know, the more hypertensive you are, the obviously that's a huge risk factor, factor for developing even more cardiovascular disease, such as stroke and, and heart attacks and things like that. Hyperlipidemia, Diabetes, these are all factors that are um, affected by nutrition and that contribute to cardiovascular disease in general. So, you know, modifying your nutrition can help lower your risk 
of developing heart disease later on. I just love this line of discussion so much. So I've been plant-based for 10 years and I openly admit when I kind of first transitioned over, I was in residency, which is like the worst time, but (laughs) I I will openly say I was a junk food vegan, like seriously, chips and Oreos because I just Mm -hmm. didn't really know how to eat or what to eat. But I was like, I'm vegan, so I'm okay, right? And that's so not true. We both know Mm -hmm. that. that, And I think that's why you and I both really like the whole food plant-based kind of moniker over vegan or vegetarian, right? Because it's really emphasizing is that eating the foods, how they come, you know, these whole foods, this plant-based diet is is more than just saying, I don't eat animal products. Correct. And, um, you know, and I always try to explain to people too, the difference between vegetarian and vegan is, um, is dairy. And dairy is a huge culprit of disease. Yes. It's a huge like inflammation factory there, right? Huge inflammation factory with casein and with, you know, a lot of the way we're looking at cardiovascular disease now is through an inflammatory process, through molecules like TMAO and mTOR and all these molecules that we know high inflammation in patients that eat high animal product diet. So patients that are eating high levels of meat and high levels of cheese and dairy, we see a ton of inflammation. And we're looking at inflammation as a huge factor for cardiovascular disease and a huge mechanism in the etiology of the way cardiovascular disease is uh, established. And that's so much so that our new um, risk stratification called AstroCharm, in which we tried to figure out um, you know, how much someone's 10-year risk is for cardiovascular events are, has now incorporated high-risk CRP, which is a molecule that we look at to see. It's an inflammatory marker. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's incorporated in our new risk stratification for cardiovascular disease because inflammation is so important in the process. And we know that when people are eating high animal product diets, they have higher levels of things like CRP, or they also have higher TMAO and other molecules, inflammatory markers. So it's just causing inflammation throughout your entire body through your gut microbiome. So, you know, it really is important to decrease not only just animal products, but like you mentioned, the processed foods as well. They are just as bad. I think this is so fascinating. I love that, you know, CRP is kind of on the risk stratification pathway now because as we talked about on your podcast, I mean, I talk about inflammation all the time as being a barrier towards implantation into successful pregnancy. And I really feel like so many of the things that we're exposed to or that we put into our body put us on a pathway of inflammation, which has so much more harm than we realize. And that modifying our diet can really change this and we can really take better care of ourselves um, across the health spectrum, you know, fertility being one, cardiovascular health being one. Of course, you and I both know that this goes on to your whole body health overall. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I always say it's not one disease process. You know, there's a reason why all this research and literature we have that looks at patients that follow plant-based nutrition have a lower risk of not only heart disease, but also cancers. I mean, the China study, if anyone's out there is going to read anything, you should just read the China study. Totally agree. By Colin Campbell. It's just such a great book. And I've been honored to present on, you know, multiple conferences with him and he's just a, a he should actually get the Nobel Prize for the amount of research he's done. But essentially, he he looked at the population of China and they did this long, long study. And he has a really great book where it's like the largest epidemi- 
epidemiological study I think that's ever been done. And um, they looked at nutrition and what patients were, uh, what the participants were eating throughout all different areas of China. And they were able to look and find that the areas that consumed the lowest amount of animal products, zero to very, very few, were the areas with not only the lowest heart disease and hypertension, diabetes, which we can all predict, there were also the areas with the lowest cancers, all cancers. You know, there were the areas with the lowest, uh, you know, arthritis and um, diseases of the immune system. So it, it really is just, I always tell people, we, you know, in cardiology, we call it metabolic syndrome for a reason. This is all related. All of our organs are related. So you really are what you eat and you really just have to think about what you're eating um, as a way to not only just your make your future self healthy, because there, I, I sometimes meet people who say, well, I'd rather eat a steak and live 10 years shorter. <laughs> so, you know, that also is not the right point that I'm trying to get across either. You know, when you eat a whole food plant-based diet, it actually changes the way you feel and the way your gut microbiome is immediately. You actually see the benefits of whole food plant-based nutrition very early on. You actually start living your best life right away. So, so this isn't just to make you live longer years. This is to make you live a better life. We find that eating a high antioxidant diet, eating whole food plant-based diet helps to, you know, decrease inflammation, which can put you at risk for rheumatoid arthritis, osteoarthritis. There are so many athletes now that are switching to whole food plant-based nutrition. So they have increased performance. They run better. They run longer, increased and better recovery time. It doesn't just prevent chronic disease, but we're finding a lot of research that's showing the way your gut microbiome behaves. You know, all of your serotonin, almost all of it is made in the gut. And so, we're even finding, and Dean Ornish was able to find in his studies too, that people who follow plant-based nutrition have less depression and anxiety. And there's a lot that's coming out in this space. So I think it's really important that it's not just about preventing diseases long-term and living till 110. It's actually about starting to live your best and healthiest life right now. I love everything you're saying, obviously, so much. And I really love that you brought up the China study. I felt like my mind was blown when I read that book, even being a nutrition major in college and, and medical school when I read it. like I felt like it was really mind-blowing. And I know that I'm a physician who has interest in this space, but I really feel like if my mind was blown and there's, there's so much data there, why do you feel like so many providers are not talking about plant-based eating or a whole food plant-based diet? Yeah. So um, I, as you know, I'm a cardiovascular disease fellow. I'm a PGY5. I have one year of fellowship left. And I actually, um, so I've been plant-based my entire adult life. And when I really, I've been vegan. So I'm an ethical vegan, but I'm also very into plant-based nutrition, um, you know, strictly from the medical standpoint for my patients. Um, I became an ethical vegan afterwards. But I will say that I've really, really passionate about the a lack of nutrition and education and medical training. And I've spoken um, loudly about this. So I'm on the American College of Cardiology Nutrition um, Committee, and um, I find it to be amazing because it's an interdisciplinary committee with physicians, uh, cardiologists that are plant-based, omnivore, you know, all over the spectrum. But I find it so interesting that throughout my training, throughout my medical school training, I had one 
nutrition course, my first year that was mostly biochem. And then through my internal medicine residency training through three years, I had no uh, nutrition training. And then as a cardiovascular disease fellow, we have zero training in nutrition. Um, And it's just not a part of our training at all when it's the etiology of every disease I am treating every single day. I know, it's ridiculous. Walking around the hospital, treating coronary artery disease that is 100% foodborne in many, 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 many patients. I can't even think of the last two months. I can't even think of, you know, I can't even think of a handful of patients that had just 100% genetic predisposition to this and they had no choice and this was just what was going to happen to them. You know, more often than not, we see cardiovascular disease that is preventable. So it is mind-blowing to me with all the data and evidence out there that more physicians are not prescribing plant-based nutrition as the first stop. And I think it's changing with our generation. I see it on the ACC Nutrition Committee. I see these cardiologists who are president of the ACC, like Kim Williams, who is 100% plant-based. He's coming to do grand rounds in my hospital and I can't wait because I think the tide is turning and I think that we have to focus on prevention regardless of the fact that it's not as reimbursable as stents. We have trials now like Orbita that are showing us that if you have stable coronary artery disease, a stent is not even reducing your chest pain. Whereas you have Dean Orange's trial that shows that he has patients that had almost complete resolution of their angina by actually just switching from a standard American diet to a whole food plant-based diet because of all the antioxidants and nitrates they're eating. So, you know, I really think that as the data is emerging and as people like you and I are, you know, being vocal about it on social media, I think that it's it's going to start to change the trajectory of the way our patients are cared for. So one, I don't think the education is there. Two, I think very important is that physicians own bias. Um, They have their own confirmation bias, which goes into practice, meaning, you know, there are a lot of physicians out there and I work with, you know, my, even my co-fellows who are not plant-based and I love them dearly, but you know, they're, you know, sitting at calf conference, we're talking about CAD and one of my co-fellows is eating chicken wings. You know, it's just, there's a, there's a cognitive dissonance that happens when we're looking at coronary artery disease and then what we put in our own bodies. And physicians are not always the healthiest group of professionals, I think, you know, so across the board. So I think that there's many, many, many physicians that are focusing more on health and nutrition, but it's, it's just not there yet. So I think that it's really hard to counsel a patient on nutrition if you yourself can't make those same lifestyle choices. And then the third portion of it that I'm very passionate and speak very largely about is this bias that physicians have on which patients they think will actually follow a change in lifestyle modification. I see this all the time. I actually saw this myself. Um, I'm very open and regardless of a, you do not need to be rich to go plant-based by any means. You don't need to live near Whole Foods. Being plant-based can actually be very cheap. Um, And I was able to demonstrate this when I did my internal medicine residency training at Temple University Hospital, which is in North Philly, one of the poorest areas in the country. I was able to get 10% of my internal medicine patient panel to go 100% plant-based. And um, I saw it was the most incredibly rewarding part of my life. So now as a cardiovascular disease fellow, I created a plant-based preventive cardiology clinic so people seek me out already. I have a waiting list and patients come to see me just because they want to go plant-based and either modify their risk of coronary artery disease or they already have heart disease and they want to work on lifestyle modification. So they see me for preventive cardiology and we integrate plant-based nutrition into the practice. But 
now I'm seeing a lot of patients, you know, that is seek me out that want to go plant-based. So I'm not sitting there trying to, you know, convince patients to go plant-based. They, they schedule an they appointment specifically for this. But I will say my own bias, and this is an example which I know physicians go through all the time. Now I'm walking through the cardiac ICU last month and I met a patient who was there with, you know, a, a disease process that was 100% dietary related. He was morbidly obese, you know, with sleep apnea, coronary artery disease, hypertension, a lot that was going on that was diet related. And he was young. So, you know, I think that what's the issue is, is that when, when patients are younger, especially they're very surprised, you know, by their disease process. Like, I can't believe I had a heart attack or I can't believe I have high blood pressure. I'm so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm only in my thirties or forties or whatever. And it can come as a shock, but disease doesn't develop overnight. It's been developing for years and years and years of lifestyle choices. So with this patient, I'm in the cardiac ICU. I'm explaining the pathophysiology of his disease process process and I'm explaining the medications he's going to have to take. And him and his wife are looking at me and he says, you know, am I going to have to take these medications for the rest of my life? And, and I said to him, I was like, well, and then I had this moment where I said to myself, either I'm going to just talk to him about nutrition now, or I just got to keep it moving. I have like intubated patients that I have to see that are on ECMO and I just, I got to keep moving. But I just, I couldn't get myself to keep moving. I, I looked at him and his wife and I said, okay, I will be honest with you. I don't usually do this in the critical care setting because most of the patients are intubated and ill, but you know, I want to tell you that a lot of your disease process can be reversed with a change in nutrition. And I run this plant-based preventive cardiology clinic. And if you want to come see me in the office, you can, and going plant-based can help to reduce a lot of the disease processes that you have going on. And him and his wife just started crying. He's like, I, I can't even believe there's a doctor that says that I can fix this. And I was like, of course you can fix this. You know, there's so much you can fix. Can patients fix everything 100%? Not every patient can. But I have patients that absolutely have. I mean, one of my best patient stories that I submitted as a case to um, a conference I presented this October, a cardiology conference at Montefiore, you know, the presenters there were Valentin Fuster. So any of your listeners that are cardiologists may know these names and Valentin Fuster and Kim Williams and these people that I admire. And I presented a case in front of them and they were shocked. You know, one of my really successful patients is a man who had uh, paroxysmal atrial fibrillation. He uh, was diagnosed with systolic heart failure with an ejection fraction of 10%. He was morbidly obese, um, diabetic, and you know had multiple comorbidities, hypertensive, goes to the hospital, decompensated heart failure. They essentially tell him, you know, you're in your late 60s, probably not a candidate for many advanced therapies. They consult palliative care. The man's like, I'm not ready to die. He goes home, gets discharged from the hospital on, you know, guideline-directed medical therapy, and he Googles, you know, how can I fix heart disease with diet? He finds plant-based nutrition. He finds me. He finds Caldwell Esselstyn, and he does a total 360, changes his diet, comes to see me in the office, starts following it to a T. And I keep this patient on his medications. I follow guideline-based medical therapy. So I will keep you on your statin. I'll keep you on your aspirin. You know, the medications you need to be on to keep you to live long, I'll keep you on them. But it's not an either or, it's a both. So then we talk about nutrition. He changes his diet. He goes full in. 
And within four months, this man's ejection fraction went from 10%, which is the, um, this is the amount of blood that's getting squished out of your heart. A normal amount's 50%. This man's went from 10% to 60%. So his systolic heart failure completely improved. Also in the setting of guideline-directed medical therapy, but he lost 60, 70 pounds. His diabetes reversed. His hypertension was gone. He had no more episodes, zero episodes of paroxysmal atrial fibrillation and reversed all of these disease processes that had happened. He went from being on 15 medications to now I've kept him on a, a couple that he should stay on because he has heart failure. He'll stay on an ACE forever. Um, and I've kept him on his NOAC to prevent stroke um, from his history of paroxysmal AFib, even though he's had no further episodes. So, you know, this is a patient that just reversed every disease process. And I could see the cardiologist at this conference look at, at me and think, oh my gosh, you know, this is outstanding that you can do this through nutrition. But the truth is, is that I do this every Tuesday. Every Tuesday, I see patients who reverse their diseases with nutrition. So I think it's important to empower patients, to let them hear stories like this and know that it's possible for them too. They can be someone who can reverse a lot of their disease and live a good life. I think this is so powerful on so many levels, and I really hope that everybody who's listening, that one common theme is that you have Danielle and I, and we're trying to empower you with education, but just because a physician isn't talking about nutrition does not mean that it is not important or impactful, and sometimes you have to be your own advocate. You have to get the knowledge from reputable sources. You need you know resources. You need to know where you can trust this information. And and also speaking about reputable sources, I think it's important to say that physicians are not always the reputable sources. I totally agree with that. There are plenty of physicians out there who are suggesting low-carb, high-fat diets that are suggesting even, you know, and I think that, you know, if you are going to listen to nutrition advice from a physician, it should be a physician that's literally, you know, really focusing on this as a part of their scope of practice. I mean, I'm on the ACC nutrition committee because this is a huge part of the way I want to prevent cardiovascular disease. I am following the research nonstop. There are plenty of physicians out there giving false nutrition information. So I think it's important for, for consumers of this information, for patients to, to find the, it's it's really tough to find the right information out there. Don't you think it's really tough to be a patient right now? I with- totally I totally agree. I think there's so much information that sometimes it's hard to evaluate yes. what's good and what's bad. It's even hard on like Instagram to understand everybody's credentials. You know, like yes, yeah. who is giving these recommendations and where do they come from and what sources and. I think that's a hard place to be a consumer. You know, I'm telling you, I'm telling people, you're telling everybody, hey, advocate for yourself, you know? Right. Your patient, you know, your patient Googles, what can I do? You know, you tell the patient in the ICU to, he can change his life with diet and that's life changing for both of them. But they have to advocate, like, what else can I do? And I really think that each of us in today's current society, we have to advocate for our own health. 
What do you recommend are the best resources for somebody who may be hearing this and say, I'm really interested in going plant-based, but I don't know where to start. Like, where do you direct people besides your Instagram? Because that's where I direct everybody. (laughs) Well, um, I have tons of uh, posts on my Instagram, which link to my favorite resources. Um, So I'm on Instagram at the veggie MD, but uh, I have many posts that address specifically my favorite resources and they are are as follows. I love Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. It's led by Dr. Neil Barnard. He is um, an associate professor at George Washington University. He's done so much research about reversing diabetes through plant-based nutrition. It's unbelievable. Um, He is brilliant. And actually, he has a fantastic conference coming up, which I'm speaking at. It's the um, yearly uh, PCRM has a conference with uh, George Washington University School of Medicine in um, DC and this July. So Physicians Committee is a great resource, especially for both patients and also healthcare professionals that are interested. Um, Additionally, nutritionfacts.org is just outstanding. You can look up anything you want about plant-based nutrition, the studies, the research, the evidence, NutritionFacts.org is created by Michael Greger, who's a physician that has dedicated literally his life to just combing the research, finding the studies, and putting the best evidence out there. Forks Over Knives is my favorite um, recipe website. Um, I, I love it so much. They have such a variety of, um, of different recipes. And for anyone that says, oh, I don't have the time to go plant-based, it takes longer to to cook and eat a steak than it does to make lentils. And I'm a cardiology fellow. I work 80 hours a week and I've been plant-based my entire adult life. So anyone can do it and it doesn't need to be expensive. You really don't need to be spending a lot of money to do it. So Forks Over Knives has some great, 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 great um, resources. And also Mastering Diabetes. If you Google Mastering Diabetes, they have great resources and coaching as well. Um, Those are probably some of my favorites, but I have plenty more on my Instagram, um, great websites. Um, I have a plant-based starter guide on my website. It's theveggiemd.com. It's just a how to go plant-based from step one. And it's just got some beginner recipes. It's free. Um, You just click on it. You don't need to sign up for anything. You just click and it works. Um, Yeah. So those are some of my favorite resources to just start going vegan. Danielle, I can't thank you enough for being on here. And I also just want to say you left out. You have an amazing podcast, Nutrition Rounds. And I think that is a great resource also. You're you're interviewing people in different fields and with different experiences. And you're really talking about how nutrition can change our whole lives and how our whole body functions. And I can't be more proud to be your friend and to have you on as a woman as our first guest. You're so sweet. Thank you. And yes, Nutrition Rounds is um, a podcast where I'm interviewing physicians who are, uh, so far, almost half of them have been on the ACC, the American College of Cardiology and Nutrition Guidelines Committee with me. Um, I'm interviewing gastroenterologists, Natalie's on the podcast, um, internists, cardiologists, every specialty. And we're talking about how nutrition affects a disease process in your specialty, in your realm, and how we can really prevent and reverse disease through nutrition and empower ourselves to really live our best lives. So thank you for having me. And I'm so glad to have had you on my podcast. And I'm so glad that we can empower women and patients to live their best lives together. Because I really think that, you know, the future is in prevention and is in, you know, working on our health starting now, starting today. 
I just couldn't agree more. Thank you so much. Thank you. Friends, thank you so much for listening in today on the first guest episode on As a Woman. I really believe that what we eat matters, and I truly believe that eating compassionately is the best thing you can do for your body. I hope those of you who are not plant-based are at least thinking about how you could possibly incorporate more plants into your daily diet and how that could benefit your long-term health. And I hope you all know that this space as a woman is not at all about judgment. This is about education and empowering yourself by learning more. Also, please go check out Danielle's latest episode of Nutrition Rounds, where we talk about plant-based nutrition and women's health. We are talking about fertility, ovulation, PCOS, endometriosis, pregnancy, and more. And as you all know, as a woman is still such a baby podcast. So I would love any reviews, comments you have, any feedback, your input on guest episodes. Send me an email, leave a review, whatever you have. I love it. You can follow me on Instagram at Natalie Crawford MD. Or check out the blog at nataliecrawfordmd.com. And please join in next week for episode seven, your menstrual cycle, period. Pretty self-explanatory, but we're going to be covering the basics of what you need to know because it is natural to have a period. And I am challenging each of you to understand your body better. We'll see you then.